0: Welcome to the Powerful Decisions Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Gluckman. I'm a life and business coach who loves helping my clients find ease and confidence around making decisions. Every episode, you'll learn the thought work tools I teach my clients for clear and easy decision making. I'll also share real life examples from my life and from my clients where powerful decisions created more of what we want in our lives time to stop sitting in indecision or second-guessing our decisions. Let's get to making powerful decisions. Welcome y'all back to the podcast. This is Meg here and I have a special guest today. I've got Gretchen Evangelista here. Hi Gretchen. Hi. She is the Love Yourself Rich Life and Money Coach, and I am thrilled to continue our conversations about money. I shared a few weeks ago now my money story, or at least a little piece of my money story, and I'm excited to have Gretchen on to talk about her money story and what she works with her clients on regarding changing money beliefs and money thoughts and Gretchen do you want to start us by just telling us a little bit about your backstory and and how you got to be interested
1: in coaching on on money and self-love absolutely yeah so um my roots in just this entire thing has been in self-love and will always be around self-love regardless of the topic in hand um my background here was um in being overweight and suffering from a binge eating disorder when i was a teenager um and unfortunately that's more common than we we see and think but i suffered from a binge eating disorder and from that just mountains of shame around my body hating my body hating the way it looked hating the number that was on the scale, comparing myself to others and everyone. And it really broke me down in so many ways when I was younger. Um, And around that time, like my peak point of suffering with the binge eating and just the negative self-talk was my, um, my dive into spirituality. I've always been into mindset and personal personal development work, <clears throat> but, um, spirituality wasn't something that I was like really super into, but at that point it was like, everything was not working out for me. Like things were getting worse. And so I decided, okay, let me turn to that work, the work that seems so quote unquote Illogical, like doesn't make sense to the brain, but I'm gonna going to trust. And so I stumbled upon the works of Florence Govelshin, who is a metaphysical writer from the 1940s, and she was very ahead of her time as a boss-ass woman. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse here.
0: <laughs> Go for it. Go for
1: it. And um, she was very much like she was the precursor of. Louise Hay's work. If you guys are familiar with Hay House and Louise Hay and all that she does, she's a big believer in affirmations. And a lot of the affirmations that I worked with um, was like, I am a perfect expression in the divine mind, or my body is 100% pure love. And the one thing that allowed me to heal my binge eating was me constantly repeating over and over to myself, you know, even if you eat this entire box of donuts, I still love and accept you exactly as you are. Even if you do the most shameful, sh- shameful thing ever, which would be like binging out on bread <laughs> at the time. Even if you do that, I still love and accept you exactly as you are. And it just came back to love. Even though you're doing this thing that I am judging is wrong, come back to love. You are loved, you are accepted, you are appreciated. Um, And so from that, nine months later, I had lost like 20 pounds with no dieting, no counting calories, not even paying attention to my weight, just this act of coming back to self-love. And so what does this have to do with money? (laughs) I'm getting there. It's
0: all good. It's all good. I, can I just pause you and just emphasize because we talk about shame as a, as a doorway out of shame. I feel like it, this story so much, because I think even if folks don't resonate with having a history of binge eating, the idea that we are mean to ourselves, that we shame ourselves, that we talk really cruelly to ourselves in our own heads. We don't necessarily say it out loud. Nobody else might know. Usually nobody else knows, right? That we're talking to ourselves that way, but a lot of us are. And that the antidote to it is this idea of self-love and acceptance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Self-love is the thing that breaks the cycle because shame is a cycle of Mm -hmm. when I do this, then I feel bad. Like, whenever I overate, I put myself in a shame spiral and that caused me to overeat more Mm -hmm. like it, like because, um, food and for some people, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, it's a way of self-soothing that shame. Mm -hmm. So it's just an endless wheel that goes on for years and years. And the thing that always breaks it is the thing that feels like the most illogical thing to do is, which is love yourself. And, if you can't love yourself immediately, I always like to use the word willing. I am willing to love myself. I'm willing to see that maybe right now I am lovable. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a powerful and simple and potent way of healing anything. And so if My thought process with that was self-love literally is the key, the answer to every single thing. And so when I decided to apply those principles of self-love to money, things drastically changed for me as well. And the reason why I think money is so important to talk about is because it's the one thing that we all struggle with. Like not everyone will have a binge eating disorder, but everyone will see something that they want and be like, I can't afford that. Mm. Or everyone will see something and be like, wow, that's like a really expensive um, valet parking. That's really expensive hotel. Like it's really easy because we work with money on a daily basis and it becomes the number one excuse for why people don't do the things that they want to do. It's the number one excuse of why people don't live now and allow themselves to be the person that they want to be, to have what they want. Because money and time is also another thing too, but money is one of the biggest blocks, limitations that we perceive for ourselves in having what we want and being who we want to be. And so I feel like that right now is my huge, it's like, my biggest purpose my biggest drive right now is to bring that component of self-love into our money stories into debt into the way we spend money invest money save money and it's not about um saying those like quick and dirty financial tips of this is how much you should put in your 401k it's beyond that it's your money mindset which changes your mental landscape and your physical external landscape. But we have to first be able to change within ourselves before seeing any outward change. So if we just play with money as like a physical outward thing, things are never going to be the way we want it. And it always will most likely be from a place of lack. And did you always think this way about money? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just came out of my mother's womb now. Yeah. 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 I'm curious, like <laughs> yes.
0: when you were growing up or in your younger years, like what, what were your thoughts about money?
1: Oh yes. Um, well, first of all, my parents were immigrants to this country. They came from the Philippines in the eighties with, I don't want to say nothing, but like nothing established here. And so they, um, put themselves in a lot of debt, like a lot of debt to get things started in order to like get um, me and my brother, the things that we needed, they put themselves in a lot of debt and they worked all the time. And so I grew up believing that like money is hard to come by money is always scarce and we might have enough to meet our needs, but it's never going to be enough to justify like, um, investing in our desires or our self-expression or our, um, expansion, it's always just, okay, we'll have basics, but nothing more than that. We'll always just save and, you know, like not do anything that is, what's the word? Just not do anything. That's like not necessary. Mm -hmm. So, um, that was the main message growing up in my household, And I also saw my parents stress so much about money, like they'd have fights about money. I mean, like I'm sure everyone sees this in their family in some way, fights about money. If like an unexpected expense came by, my mom would just go crazy and just talk about it and be outraged by it. And I remember distinctly, I don't remember how old I was, but I remember I was really young saying, I am not going to let money control my life like that. Um, Was a nurse or I am a nurse still, (laughs) still a nurse. Um, I have my life coaching business. I did weight loss coaching before. And so just this idea of not allowing money to control my mood or control how I felt was really important to me growing up and starting a career and becoming like a real adult myself. So it's still something that was in me.
0: Or you had more debt than you wanted.
1: How did you not? I feel like the debt that I have experienced has been such an amazing journey in seeing that debt is not bad. Mm. like, I feel like we as a society, even my parents as immigrants always demonize debt isn't like don't ever be in debt. Debt is bad. Debt is like um, quicksand. Like it's going to be harder. And I remember I shared this insight with you one time when we were coaching together that it's just like this bottomless pit of once you're in it, you are never going to get out. That's the picture that is painted. And I feel like that is always just an image in our brains. That is always just a thought about something that could be completely different. Like we have, that is where our power lies in changing the story behind what debt is and what it means to us. And so now from the work that I've done, I see debt as a loving partner, as a loving friend that is there to support me unconditionally all the time. Mm -hmm. And I still, I have credit card debt. I have student loans. And I look at those numbers on a regular basis. And I look at it regardless of what the numbers are. And I tell it just like, as I told my body, when I was younger, going through the binge eating, and I was saying, I love you exactly as you are. I would send love to those numbers and talk to it as if it was a cute puppy Mm -hmm. or something really like innocent, because behind those behind those numbers is innocence. I feel like behind those numbers is love that is there to support me. Like, thank you, student loans for allowing me to have an education and become a nurse. Mm -hmm. Thank you, um, credit card debt for allowing me to um, like purchase a, a course or something, whatever it is, right? So there's so much love to be recognized in debt. And we as a society choose to see it as like this monster, but I genuinely don't believe it is. And I don't mind that it's there. And I think that's what it is. It's like the second you don't mind that it's there and you become friends with it, that's when the resistance goes away. That's when you're able to pay it off. That's when you're able to lose the weight, for example, is when you no longer have this like resistant energy and it's not like good guys versus bad guys. It's you guys are all on the same team. And me, money, debt all of that,
0: we're all on the same team. It's so interesting because debt really is, it's a number, right? Like it's a neutral, factual number. And we know that two people could have the same amount of debt and feel completely differently about it, right? Mm -hmm. They could have totally different stories about it. So we know that our thoughts around debt are optional, intellectually we know that but you're saying like we have so much baggage or history around debt that we bring to how we think about it
1: mm-hmm. so
0: it really is a challenge to start thinking differently start having different beliefs on it about it start painting it as this thing that is actually here to support me to help me i also think and we talk about this some um, in in a group that we're both in right that debt has a different story that it brings with it whether you're a man or whether you're a woman whether you're white or whether you're BIPOC like the history of debt is so different depending on your identity like I think I've shared on the podcast before too just the idea that like before 1974 women could not get a line of credit themselves right they had to have a man sign for them they could not have their own credit card. They had to have a man sign on with them. Right. So this is like debt is a new, it's our generation that is fully stepping into, we can use debt as a tool.
1: Yes.
0: Right. And, and we are at a point where we're trying to determine like, what are the stories and the thoughts that we actually want to have about debt? Because in some ways, debt has always been a tool that the patriarchy that, that white men have used to grow businesses, right? To be able to afford houses and land and all of this, like the sense in those places that it's totally acceptable. Like mm-hmm. debt is strategic. It's like good business sense, right? When you're able to borrow. Um, I mean, even as a country, right? We use debt a lot as a yeah. country right? What came up for me as you were talking too is that debt being a number, same as the number on a scale, right? I had a client once who was really trying to work on her blood pressure and it was like a big, she had some big health goals around it. And so she had to kind of like de-villainize the blood pressure measurement, right each each time every day when she would measure her blood pressure she had to like de it and and say like it's not it doesn't make me a bad person it doesn't say anything's bad about me right like this is just information this is this is just a number right yeah. and there's i mean there's definitely other places other money places right we look at how much money we earn or what's in our bank accounts um what's in our retirement Right. And we can add value to it. Like we can make a value judgment about ourselves based on that or a value judgment about other people.
1: Yeah. Like how successful you are. And we're in a group with um, lots of women, and they all have a variety of amount of like success and signing clients. And it's amazing. And I think it's just so interesting that our egos, and my ego has definitely done this, my mind, where it's like compare and despair. Mm-hmm. Of well, that coach, that entrepreneur had a twenty thousand dollar month. What am I doing wrong? You know, and just using that as a, a way to measure success, right? And money is—that mm-hmm. is not the purpose of money. And when we assign that purpose to money, that's when we grow unhappy. That's when we complain. That's when we resent and feel jealous and compare. Like that is not money's job to determine if you're successful, it's your job to determine if you are successful by your rules and money has nothing to do with that.
0: The other story that's coming to mind for me is I coached a client on asking for a raise, Mm -hmm. right? She she hadn't asked for a raise. She'd been in this job for, I'm forgetting now, I want to say 10 years. She had never asked for a raise and we had to separate the value. Like for her to see that in asking for a raise, it was a financial question. It was a, a numbers question, right? It was not whether or not she got that raise going to reflect on her value as a person, like her worthiness, right? Mm-hmm. And when she was able to like differentiate those two things and say like, I'm just going to go and ask, like, I think I deserve it, right? Like, I think the work, the val- the value that I'm giving the company is totally worth this higher rate. And if they say no, then that's just information, but it's not a judgment about me. Like I don't have to make it mean I did anything bad or that I'm not worthy and valuable.
1: Yeah. Charging what you're worth is like, is huge, especially with women Mm -hmm. where it's like, we, we are culturally conditioned not to ask or to feel uncomfortable in that, or to feel like we're being a burden if we ask for this amount of money. Um, And like, yeah, I've had a similar situation with a client who was also trying to get a raise. And it was interesting because the same client had a issue, like she felt like triggered by my price and how much I charge for coaching. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that that stuff's very related. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah related of if you see someone charging whatever amount and that triggers you and being like how dare she charge that much for whatever then that person clearly has an issue within themselves of charging what they are worth and what they mm-hmm. believe they are worth like what their effort and time is worth so i think it's so important to lean into those triggers of when we look at something, we find a beautiful dress and we're like, oh my gosh, how does this cost $400? That's like robbing me. Like not to go into that automatic lack mentality, right? And just being like, I am someone who can afford $400. Like if this is really important to me, like I can afford the things that I want. I can buy the things that I want and come from it from a place of abundance and enoughness versus lack.
0: And I think you brought this up at the very beginning, the idea of like, I can't afford it, recognizing that that's, it's not really a truthful statement most of the time, right? The, the truth behind it, because we could, if we wanted that $400 address and we didn't have $400 in our, you know, bank account, like, all right, I'm going to hustle. Like I'm going to go you know, do some side gigs and I'm going to borrow money and like, I could find the money if I really, really wanted it. But the reality is it isn't a high priority for me. Like it, it isn't my number one priority right now. Yeah. Right. So I'm not going to find the money to do this thing right now. And I feel like that is so much more honest to say, you know, oh, it's not that I can't afford. X, Y, and Z. It's that I'm just not prioritizing Mm -hmm. that right now because I could harness my life's energy to make sure it happens. And um, I think you may have actually given this example on your podcast before around um, like if your dog was kidnapped and you had to pay ransom for your dog, right? And it was like $10,000, like you would find that $10,000, like you would be calling your friends, you would, you know, you would get a loan or you would, you know, get a credit card advance. Like you would find the money if it was super important to you. So just recognize there isn't saying I can't afford it does us a disservice because it's not us being truthful to ourselves about what is our priority. And by saying I can't afford it, it also puts us in this powerless almost almost victim mentality, right? This lack energy that you're talking about, that like, I don't have the power to afford this. Mm -hmm. When in reality, like it's an option.
1: Yes, yes, it is an option. And when I think of the word, I can't afford the phrase, I can't afford, I just hear, I can't. Like I do a lot of climbing. I do a lot of rock climbing. Yeah. And the other day I was trying a route And I just couldn't reach. And I just kept on saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then my boyfriend was like, just try again. And I was like, fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I did it. And it was like, oh, I can. And it's just like, I can't is also, it's just the thought, like the energy of I can't. It doesn't matter if it's affording or making time for something. Like I can't, um, I don't have time for that. It's all from this energy. Like you said, powerlessness of I can't. Mm -hmm. Really, you can, right? Like it's your capacity to make things happen, to move matter, to move money, to do all those things. Like in from my spiritual practices, it's like you are refusing to see that you are God, like you are God, like you have God, like powers within you. And when you say I can't, you're just denying your power. And you're keeping yourself small and limited, and so yeah, I love um, that example. Using that example because if someone took your dog, took your cat, took your kid, you would do anything in your power. Like all of a sudden, you are so resourceful enough to mm-hmm. be able. To mm-hmm. So yeah, it's all about being honest with that, mm-hmm. saying, admitting to yourself, I could make it happen if I really wanted to, but it's not my priority. And that's, that's perfectly fine too. Right. That is perfectly fine.
0: It puts us in just so much a, like a more empowered relationship with money though. It isn't any longer this thing that's kind of like out of our reach or out of our control. It's just our decision. Like we're just deciding that's not what I want right now. That's not what I want to put my resourcefulness, which I love love you bringing up that word, like my directing, my resourcefulness towards this thing. It's my decision not to, it's my choice not to.
1: Yes. It's not like, Oh, something's preventing me from having it. It, No, like nothing's preventing you from having it. You can have it if you decide to.
0: Oh, so good. Okay. I say we end it right there because I think this is so powerful. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's very on point with your your
0: podcast. There you go. It's on point with powerful decisions and on point with like loving ourselves and being honest about what we're choosing and why we want something, right? And and feeling empowered in our life, which is so awesome. Gretchen, if folks are just like hot on this conversation and they want to listen to you more how can they do that?
1: Yes. Um, Well, I have a podcast called love yourself rich. Um, I recently rebranded it from self-love tarot, still self-love same concept, but we are talking about money mindset and spirituality of money too. So if you are a woo woo person like me, you will really enjoy the things that I talk about on that show. So you can listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, um, Audible now, you can get podcasts on Audible, which is great. So you can have all of your audiobooks and podcasts in one place. So, yeah, and then also my Instagram, if you want to follow me, is Gretchen dot Evangelista, and everything's spelled phonetically, so you can just sound it out and you'll spell it correctly.
0: <laughs> there you go, just like just like my fifth grader, just like sound it out, people. Yeah, so you really so.
1: <laughs> will we'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> um, but I'll also put all your info in our show notes here thank you for this really rich fun conversation i think people sharing their stories around shame and self-love and money is the most powerful thing we can do to to help each other kind of change our own stories so thank you for sharing yours
1: thank you for having me on here yeah
0: all right y'all we'll see you next week bye Thanks for listening. I hope you found some good nuggets in today's episode. If you'd like more coaching tools, follow me on Instagram at Meg Gluckman or on Facebook at Meg Gluckman Coaching. You can also DM me from either place to learn more about my one-on-one private coaching practice. I'd also really appreciate if you would rate and review this podcast so more folks can hear about it. I'll see you on the next episode of Powerful Decisions.